Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we? Good, good. Yeah. I like when you guys respond. It's like, I'm awake. We got an hour of sleep extra, right? That's worth cheering for. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's great. Um, my name is uh, Dominic Chassis. Uh, I've been here uh, before. I actually interned here with Bobby Wallace back in 2017 when Move It was just starting. I remember when we only had that speaker right there, and that was it. And so it's awesome to see what movement has grown into. It's awesome to see uh, all the things that you guys are doing, and awesome to hear when Bobby and I talk about what's going on here at the church. And so it's really wonderful to uh, be here with you guys this morning. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but in Virginia, we skipped uh, fall and just went straight into winter. So that's why I have this coat on, because my wife is watching, and she gets mad at me when I don't wear my coat when it's cold. And so I just needed to explain that and to let my wife know that I am wearing warm clothes. I don't have my sandals on. She usually gets mad at that, too. Um, but uh, so I work in Richmond, Virginia, at a uh, college called Virginia Commonwealth University. Go Rams. No, no Ram fans here. OK, what? Go campus ministry. Yeah, that's better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't usually get a lot of uh, cheers for uh, Virginia colleges in North Carolina and a lot of other places, but that's okay. It, there's still time for you to become a Rams fan, uh, and I hope I can encourage you to do that. Um, but I've been doing it for three years, and it's been awesome to to see uh, what college ministry does for um, for young people. Um, and Stephen, you work at NC State, correct? And it's really an encouragement, um, not just for for me, but um, for everyone who, if you're especially if you're a parent, um, man, please consider like talking with a college minister because imagine like going through 18 years of their life and then one year later they go to college. And the statistic is that 80% of students leave their faith right as they enter college. So it's super important to engage with a college ministry, support a college ministry. Um, and I would encourage uh, not, not just me, but North Carolina colleges, Virginia colleges, anywhere that your student is going, um, learning to just engage with, with college and campus ministries. Um, because I believe God is doing awesome work there. Um, and so I just want to encourage you guys with that. But if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the letter to the Colossians. Uh, Paul writes this letter to the church in a place called Colossae. And this church uh, is struggling with something that I think a lot of us struggle with in our lives. And, and it's this idea that, that Jesus is, is a real person, right? Like we talk about Jesus, but Jesus isn't physically here like we talk about Jesus's love and God's love, but you can't go up and hug God's love because we have this weird relationship with, with faith in that some of the things that we talk about when it's concerning God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, it's very abstract. We can't touch it. We can't feel it. And yet we have this knowledge that it's there, right? We, we know God's love. We can see God's love, but we can't really grab onto it. And so the church in Colossae is experiencing the same thing where, where these Christians are assuming that, that Jesus is not 
coming in the flesh, that Jesus didn't actually come in the flesh. He's actually just kind of this abstract being. He's got good teachings. And yet Paul's uh, correction to this church is that, no, you now live a new life that's based on the real person of Jesus. That, that this life that we now live as Christians looks different than how we used to live because of a real person. And so Paul uh, says this, and we're going to be in chapter three. So Paul says this, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouths. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. But above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the God, the Father through him. And the, the question this is a very quick sermon, right? It's one question. Is Christ your life? Is Christ your life? I, I think what, what we experience today is that we have a lot of Christians who, who say, Jesus is my life, Jesus is my Lord, and yet what we do is we relegate our family, our job, and then here's Jesus on the side, and I will take some teachings from Jesus' life and kind of implement them into my family. So I will say grace before dinner. I'll even pray with my kids before bedtime. That doesn't mean Jesus is your life. You might come to church. You might join small groups. You might even read your Bible. That doesn't mean Jesus is your life. Paul's assumption is that, that just because we, we claim Christ as Lord does not mean we have made him our whole life. And I, Steve actually basically preached my sermon for the communion, so I was kind of like, well, I can, I can go. Um, but it's this question of, if you're not a disciple of Christ, then you're not a Christian. 
There's, there's no in-between. And we have a lot of Christians who want to live in the in-between because we want the world and one foot in the world. And yet Christ has said, no, you cannot have both this and that. You need either to be with me or you are against me. He even says to his disciples, you cannot love money and God. And money for Jesus was just possessions, right? But I think it goes further, right? You cannot love your family more than Jesus and love Jesus, You cannot love your job more than Jesus and Jesus. It's this real reality that a lot of us have been taught that what it means to live a life with God is you go to church, you read your Bible, you pray sometimes twice a day, but if you can make it happen once a day, and you try to make time and put margins in your schedule for devotional time or prayer or scripture reading. That's never what Jesus said. Jesus said, a life with me is following me. It goes deeper into our very being and identity. It goes into everything that we do, right? Paul even said, in all that you do, do it as if serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't just do it as if you're doing the job and then you get to come to church. Do it. For Jesus Christ. For me, this came to a head, and, and you know, it, at first I thought it was silly as God and I were talking about this. Like, I thought it was silly where my church that I attend, we do a fast every, uh, every Easter for Lent. And this past year's fast was from buying new things. Um, and if you, if you ever want to like figure out what you actually love and believe in, try fasting from something. And you'll realize like, oh, I really like that thing. And I really like stuff. Like, I like new guitars. I actually really want this guitar. Um, <laughs> I like new things. I like stuff. I like Apple products, right? Uh, I like all the new technology. I think it's really cool, and I want that. And so what do I do with my money, right? I save it. I pull it together so I can buy those things, right? And we did this fast where we're not able to buy anything new, and God is convicting me of, of, yes, you put your hope in things, right? If I have this new thing, if I get the new iPod, or iPod, that's really old. Uh, if I get the new iPhone or if I get the new iPad, right, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to find security. And that could be whatever for you. If you work really hard at your job, if you have that relationship Or if you have that marriage that you've always dreamed of, then you'll be happy. Then you'll have your security. Then you'll actually be able to live that life that that Jesus always promised. And that's not the case. Jesus never promised us this security, this idea. But what he promised us is, is when we make him our whole life, And we not only uh, make him our whole life, but we take those things, our family, our job, and our hobbies, and our kids, and we surround it with Jesus, and it all flows from a deep relationship with Jesus. That is where we don't find security, but it's where we find life, real life. And we as Americans love security. We love feeling safe. And so how do we come against where Jesus says, you must take up your cross every day, 
For, for you to live a life in Christ is for you to look at what do you need to carry as a cross and do that every day. For me, it might be not having the things that I want and being okay that I might not get that new thing in this life. It might be um, you don't have to spend time doing all the things that you think matter and being okay. That thing that you feel like you need to do, that time that you need to spend doing X, Y, Z. For a lot of you, and me included, right, you have, we've got so many shows that we need to watch. And yet, can we be okay with not watching those shows and being okay that, that, look, we don't need to watch those shows to be okay? For me, right, like, I am struggling because my wife and I watch uh, Loki. If you guys haven't seen it, it's a Marvel show. It's really good. Um, and I struggle because we watch it together, but I really want to watch it by myself. <laughs> but I know she'll kill me if we, I, we don't watch it together. Take another show that some of you might know, Bluey, right? Kids show. Um, actually really good. Even if you're an adult and don't have kids, I watch it unashamedly. My wife and I don't have kids. We'll watch it like on Saturday mornings, just really nice and wholesome. And it's these, these ways that, that we feel like we need to go do these things because the world is talking about it, right? The world's talking about this, these new shows. The world is talking about these new things. The world is talking about how you need to work harder at your job. The world is talking about how you need to not uh, discipline your kids. And that's how you love them. The world is talking about all these different things. And this is where you will find life. And yet Jesus is saying, no. In fact, you need to hate those things. It looks like you need to hate those things in order for you to really find life in me. It's, it's this stark picture that I think a lot of Christians we're not comfortable with. Because what would your life really look like if you, if you really, really made Christ your life? It would mean giving up a lot of things. Another way this hit me, and, and this might seem silly, but I, I fully believe in this, is that um, when, when I come to this life with God, it, it, it goes into everything that I, that I do, that I watch. And it came to a head for me when I was struggling because we all like Amazon. We like the fact that we can click a button and somehow, some way, a package is at my door the next day. This is real. My wife and I had a package come from Amazon. I don't even know what I ordered from Amazon. That, that's not normal. I, like, that's not normal in, in the world. Like, that shouldn't be normal. And, and so, and some of you probably have Amazon packages on the way and like you're checking and was like, do I actually have an Amazon package coming on the way? And I'm not saying that you need to, to completely like take Amazon out of your life, but I, I am saying that, that we need to actually look deeper into what the world is giving us. As Christians and followers of Jesus, we are the ones who are supposed to hold the world to a different standard that even if the world thinks we're crazy, that we can be secure in Christ. That, that when we look at the practices of Amazon, right? Which is what I had to do because as a follower of Jesus, like I can't give money to that. As a follower of Jesus, like you have to look and go deeper into what is the world doing? 
This is what it means to live a Christ life. It's not about just going with the flow. And I think that is a good question for all of us when it comes to is Christ your life? And the question is, do you, does your life look more like someone who lives in the world, who chases after the things of the world? Or are you someone who, who is different? And for me in, in college ministry, right? Like I have found a lot of students who have come into college ministry and they know the right answers. Like when I say like, you know, the ask questions, they're like Jesus. And I'm like, you're right. Fantastic. And they'll go to church and I'll ask them, how is their Bible reading time? And most of the time it's the same answer of like, you know, it's hard to get up in the morning. And I'm like, well, don't go to bed at three in the morning. Or they'll say like, I struggle with praying all these things. And it's the Christians who come into my ministry who have the hardest time understanding what God is really like. It's the people who are just coming to Christ, who are brand new at this, who read scripture and say like, oh, I need a complete life overhaul. I have students who have said like, yeah, I was doing drugs yesterday and Jesus completely changed my life. And so now I'm living a different way. And they look so different and their life is so compelling that it makes other people want to follow that and follow Christ. And it would be what Paul says, right? What are you seeking after? Like Steve said, where is your money going? Where is your time going? Where is all your energy going? Some of you with kids, like you want to do all the things, like you want them to be involved in the sports and piano lessons and also be in the play and also be really good at school and also, also, also. And what is it teaching our kids? It's teaching our kids that, that when you produce, when you are productive, that is when we'll love you and appreciate you, right? But that's not what Jesus says. The life with God would say, look, you don't even have to do anything. And yet my love for you will not change. Right? When those of you who had kids, when they were born, they weren't born playing the piano. They weren't born playing the violin or being, uh, having all straight A's, right? And yet you loved them even still when they were doing nothing. And that's the same way that God looks at us when we find our identity in him and not the things that we do for him. And so when we come to church because we feel like we need to perform, God doesn't see that as a reason to love you more. Or when you work really hard because you want to be known as a hard worker. And that's not to say that you shouldn't have a good work ethic, but if your identity is found in that and not in Christ, then when another pandemic comes and you lose your job, you're not going to be standing on solid ground, right? Again, this is hard, right? It's hard because it actually takes us every day and it asks us to actually look at the world with different lenses, right? Instead of just doing this same thing that we do where we come to church, we go to small groups, we have prayer time, we have Bible studies, and we do all those things, it actually requires something more of us 
in our everyday life. It requires me to wake up in the morning and be in relationship with the Father and say, Father, how do you want me to see my life today or my day today? It requires me to ask the Father, Father, how do you want me to live today to better represent Jesus and not to pursue the things of the world? Do you want me to sacrifice something? Do you need me to put something aside so that I can follow you closer? It takes more out of us, which is why it's so hard. But it's those Christians, it's those people who wake up every day and ask God, where do I need to be obedient that change the world? It's those Christians that when the world looks at your life, they say, man, they've got something different. When, when the world is going crazy, man, they're solid. When their life has hit them hard, man, they're, they're not shaken. What is that? I want that. Right? When, when the early church began, we have this mentality that, that Christianity is something that, that people come and see, right? Like we put signs out. So people know that we're here. But church was never meant to be that. Church was always meant to be a place where we as followers of Jesus are better equipped to live the life that God called us to and to to throw off all the things that hinder us and to go out and to live the life. And then just by living life differently than the world, other people would see that. Other people would see that we are living differently, that we are seeking different things, that the world says, you need this, and you say, I'm good. I'm satisfied. Other people see that and say, I want that. When we look at life as just simply adding Jesus, the world doesn't see anything different, right? And it doesn't, we don't get to give them like this life that Jesus offered us. What a lot of times we get to bring them is like, hey, did you know that you are a sinner and that without Jesus, you're going to hell unless you come to church, get baptized, and then live this life of going to church, doing Bible studies and all these different things? That's not very compelling. It's not compelling to the people who who are struggling with real addictions, who are struggling with real problems, real sicknesses. And yet what Jesus offers is saying, come to me and I will give you rest. He says that I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. And I don't think he's kidding. I don't think Jesus, when he's saying, I have come to give you life, he's just saying like, I've come to give you the American dream. No, he's saying he's come to give you life. A different way of living that that is so powerful that when the world sees you, it can't help but stop and wonder. It's, It's the Christians who make Jesus, their whole life, who are willing to be obedient and who are willing to die for this message of life in Christ that the world sees as different and change the world. So again, it's, it's one question, is Christ your life? And one of the big reasons I, I have moved away from trying to give you guys like people, here are three takeaways, Right? Because that involves, again, you being in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
I can't tell you what to do. I can tell you what Paul says here, right? And Paul says this, seek the things that are above and set your mind on things where Christ is seated. So there's a starting point. But when it comes to your everyday life, that needs to be you and the Holy Spirit. I can tell you all the things that I've done. I can tell you how I've changed my schedule, but I'm not you. I don't have your life. And so it requires intentionality and waking up every day, desiring to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit and asking him, God, where do I need to be obedient? How can I set my mind on you and how can I seek the things that are above? It's about coming from from death to life, right? It's not about how do we make bad people, how do we make drug addicts, and, and sinners, good people. Christianity is not about you coming here and being a good person and then going out and you just get to be a good person and then you die and get to go to heaven. That's the message that I grew up with, that if, that if I come to Jesus, that my life is now just a better life because I'm no longer a bad person, right? I don't curse anymore. That went out really quickly. I, I don't curse anymore. I don't, I don't drink. I don't do all these things. I don't smoke. I don't drink. And I don't go, I don't remember what it says. My grandpa used to tell me like, you don't smoke uh, something, something or go with folks who do. Um, and that's kind of how church has been presented to us. And that might be your story too, that, that you were presented with this gospel of just being a better person like you're not, you're going to come here, get baptized, and then you're going to not curse anymore. You're going to have the life that you've always wanted. And it's going to be all happiness and rainbows and sunshine and kittens and all that stuff. And then the second something bad happens, you go like, oh my gosh, where's Jesus? Like, right? Like second you go through a miscarriage, all of a sudden, where's God? Or you're stuck in the same addictions that you've been living in. All of a sudden, where's God? Your friend is going through depression and you don't know how to help him or her. All of a sudden, where is God? God's not real because, because clearly I'm not happy. Clearly in the middle of this, I feel like cursing. And so God must not be real. And that's not what Jesus says. Jesus didn't die on a cross, get brutally murdered, be executed, so that you could be a better person. Jesus died on a cross and rose again to life so that you could live a new life that the world sees as different, that the world sees as something is going on here that we need, that, that, that the rest of the world is not giving me, that the rest of the world, I'm not getting from it. I'm not getting it from watching enough TV shows. I'm not getting it from working hard or having the best grades or being the best at whatever sport or whatever thing that I enjoy. It's not getting, I'm not getting it from that. I'm not getting it from the drugs that I, that I use. I'm not getting it from the women or the men that I sleep with. I'm not getting it from all these different things. And yet somehow, some way, when these Christians, when they go through hard times, when literally at Paul's time, there are Christians who are being executed, there are Christians who are dying for their faith, and yet they're still meeting together, they're still singing psalms, they're still giving thanks to God. 
And that comes from truly knowing that what Christ came to offer us is life. Not just a new way of of seeing how we're bad people or what the world looks like, but true life. Again, Jesus said that I have come to have life or for you to have life and have it to the fullest. And that's what he has for you, his life. So how are you going to make him your life this week? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are our life, that you gave Jesus to be our life. And it's hard, God. It's so hard to engage with you every day, to go beyond just reading the Bible and praying, God, because you want us to to receive this life that when the world sees us, that we're different. That when we, the world sees the way that we love people radically, regardless of who they are or what they've done, God, that changes the world. That when we love the people who have hurt us the most, Jesus, that is the life that you've called us to. And so however, Father, you want to work in each one of us here, wherever you're calling us deeper, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak clearly and you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see where we need to be obedient. And I just ask that we would, we would start with this and you would help us to start with this, just to simply seek the things that are above, to know Christ, to share in his suffering, and to set our minds on you, to find our hope and focus on you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name until you're coming. Amen. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement in Seed.